0: Absolutely. I mean, I used to say sometimes, you know, during the summers, I don't work as much. It's summertime, so I go into dad mode. I go into chill guy mode. You know, right. not uh, not the speaker. And and I remember times where I had to like, okay, I got a shift. I can't b- bring chill dad guy on on stage. He's right, cool about everything. He doesn't have to. He's not worried about getting last. Not worried about what he's going to do. So yeah. there's definitely different, you know, different personalities.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. Excited for another episode here today on The Pursuit. And as you know, at the show, we're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. And I have my new friend, Scott Bloom, that I'm excited to introduce you to and connect you with today. We've been getting to know each other last uh, last month or so, I guess, um, from mutual friend. But uh, just to give you a little bit of his background, he's a, a veteran comedian, done a lot of that, a lot of stand-up. I think that was the earlier part of your career, which we'll talk about. Uh, TV personality, big time. He built a really successful career as a professional MC host and keynote speaker, and really has become built a big reputation for being one of the top. <clears throat> excuse me, go to for business humor, and so we're excited to talk a bit about that. He's worked with some pretty big names: FedEx, Ford, Ford, part of me, IBM, MetLife, Pepsi, Pfizer, Verizon, and uh, a lot more. A lot more on there. So it's pretty awesome. Scott, thanks for the time today. Oh, thanks, Ben. It's, uh,
0: you know, sometimes you forget what it is that you've actually done. And when you hear someone, uh, you know, speak about you, you're like, hey, I have done a few things. So that, that's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> that is pretty cool. I don't
0: yeah. think that's the most humble way to start a podcast by going, hey, I'm very impressed with myself.
1: <laughs> you know what, though? I think most of us, we we don't often look back at all the great things we've done, but sometimes what we haven't done. So it's a great thing.
0: <laughs> but, no, it's interesting. You know, it, it's, you know, a pursuit of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's your mind, body, and spirit, mm-hmm. and just right off the bat, you know, I've been talking to friends about this a lot, and it's it's so, it's so you know, about the whole self-talk uh, stuff, the negative mm-hmm. self-talk, mm-hmm. it's so hard to do positive self-talk, because it just mm-hmm. feels, mm-hmm. you know, like arrogant and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, just be, you know, very secure with, you know, with who we are, and and uh, and and definitely eliminate the self talk, uh, the negative mm-hmm. self-talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is that with you?
1: Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's a challenge. I, I remember years ago, a friend and mentor of mine, he, he said something that stuck with me on the note of self-talk was that inner arrogance breeds outward confidence. And, and out, outer arrogance shows that the person's not actually that confident. So it's an interesting thing oh, about interesting. that of, uh, is that as we can work on more of that, empowering self-talk that, you know, I wouldn't walk around and say, I'm the greatest, you <laughs> know, right. right. And, um, yeah, but even, even in so internally saying
0: I'm the greatest, you know, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm going through a little Renaissance in my career and sort of right. owning what it is that I've been doing, and it's interesting because I'm in a phase now where I'm getting a lot of really interesting, positive feedback,
2: hmm. and
0: it and it feels good. But I remember when I used to do stand up, you know, there was always that trap of, you know, feeling too high about yourself and you know, high and mighty. Oh, I'm, I'm so great, and that doesn't feel right either. For sure. But, but you you do have to take some of that in, and just as a as going, hey, I'm I'm going in the right direction. Something's happening, and yeah. and you know, as a, as a performer and as a speaker, you know, you're used to things like, you know, applause or as a comedian laughter, and that's an indication you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, the whole thing about after the show, people go on coming up and go, oh, you're great, whether they mean it or not. There's a lot of that. Right. So it's really easy to get a, you know, an, a big swollen head and, and get a sure, lot of sure. ego. But uh, sometimes you just have to, you know, you sort of have to take that in mm. and, and know it's more of a you know, sort of a signpost saying, hey, you're going in, you're going in that right direction and not be about, you know, you're so full of yourself.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's a really great way. I think that as I've grown, I know we're going to talk about this about later, but uh, Scott and I are both spiritually focused, but um, is the idea for me is I am great and you are too, you know, rather than better than or worse than or anything like that is to me in, in my mind, we all are. We're all great. Well, well, this is how spiritually focused
0: I am. I'm looking at your bookshelf and just by the colors on the on the bottom shelf there, that looks like an Esther Hicks book. That that's looks like ask yeah. and you will
1: be given, right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I don't know if I have the title right,
0: but that's, uh, I, I know that, I think I have mine, yeah, I have mine right behind me somewhere.
1: <laughs> so tell, tell people a little bit about, I know we've talked about it, but tell them a bit about your career and how it progressed into doing what you're doing now and yeah. Sure, um, so I've always been involved in, in
0: comedy in some way, you know, as, as a kid, you know, I was funny, I loved comedy, Loved growing, grew, grew up watching Saturday Night Live, big fan of Steve Martin, Albert mm. Brooks, Woody Allen, um, Rob Williams, Billy Crystal... And uh, you know, in in high school, I was doing uh, I would do you know kind of uh, sketches into recorders. I used to do an Ernie and Burton impression, no really yeah. do all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, when I got to college, I started an improv group. And I based it on I had seen second city tour, I think in Houston. I was in Houston one summer. And so when I brought back this sort of improv ideas or doing an improv, I had no training, had no idea. We literally improvised doing an improvisational show, and it was k- kind of fun, and we would do it outside in the in the common area, you know, on Fridays and afternoons, we'd do the cabaret, and then I started to do a little um, do a little stand-up. I had a routine about, you know, I don't know if you remember, in, in, in university, you know, there, everyone was highlighting things, and it got to the point where you're kind of like addicted to highlighting, and I did a whole sort of addiction thing about highlighting the whole page and getting pulled over and stuff like that. And uh, so uh, I was destined to become a salesman, like Mm -hmm. my entire family. Uh, Yeah, we have a a whole line of salespeople. And both my brother and sister eventually ended up going into the telecommunication business. That was my dad's business. Mm -hmm. I was working for him during summers in college. And um, at a certain point, I realized, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to do comedy. I want to become an actor, comedian. Mm -hmm. And you know, senior year, I had to tell him, hey, I'm not coming back. I'm actually going to go out and go to New York City, where my mom was living, and pursue a career as a, an actor and a comedian. Hmm. And so, uh, basically, then I, you know, I did stand up. I was lucky. I did stand up in the in the late '80s, early '90s. It was the comedy boom. I was working all the time. Within like two two and a half years, I was making a living as a comedian, which was you know it was unheard of to go into an art form. For you know, sure. did the waiter thing and yeah. started doing that. And then um, soon into that, you know, this is like almost the early 90s, uh, someone needed a, uh, you know, a comedian to host a, a game show. You know, someone quick on their feet. Um, I did that. And the way these production companies would sell you is even after the first one or even the first one, this guy is the greatest. He knows how to do this and this. And, and you know, talking about believing your own press, I was like, hey, I, I am the greatest. I only done it once. <laughs> And uh, so I started doing these, um, started creating uh, game show competitions, knowledge competitions. So I got a reputation doing that, and I would design them, and it was all about to reinforce information at the conferences. So that got me into the corporate world, mm-hmm. and then they started using me to MC events, and my comedy was always clean. Uh, but I started to build comedy around, you know, uh, business ideas, you know, like like acronyms and teamwork and their language. And so I, I got a reputation for having, you know, clean, uh, corporate-friendly humor. And, you know, I went from performing at 8 p.m. at night to 8 a.m. Mm. And, you know, a little bit different. But what I found out is, you know, they're going to a meeting. So anything remotely funny, uh, they're able to laugh at and take in. It's not like at a comedy club where, right, you know, they're right. expecting a laugh every two minutes. Yeah. And uh, started to then build a reputation as a, you know, as a go-to MC. you know, someone who, you know, uh, had my business background. So it was a nice convergence of business and, and comedy and started doing that. And I've been doing that, you know, for a while now. And then eventually moved in from MCing to all these companies to also doing keynotes, but everything with sort of a comedy perspective. Incredible. That's kind of
1: how I got here. That's awesome. So it's been a part of your life for a long time then, um, the comedy aspect of it. And then out of curiosity, when you told your dad, hey, I'm not going to come back and work for the company, was that a difficult conversation with him or was he supportive or how did that go? You know, it was interesting. My my dad
0: has always been, you know, like a lot of dads, a, frust- a frustrated comedian. Oh, so okay. he kind of, I remember him coming to one of my first shows in Houston, my f- family had moved down there and he was nervously laughing on the setups, you know, he wasn't waiting for the laugh. And so I think he was like, kind of proud that I was going to do it. Both my parents were very supportive, which was interesting. That's nice. Um, I mean, I would have been set in his company, you know, he already was trying to get me to leave college at some point, you're gonna be a regional branch manager, and then you'll do this and this. And it was just something I knew I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I pursued acting for a little while, I'm just not a very good actor. But I did some television more in hosting and and stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he, it was something he always wanted to do. So he was always very supportive and they're, they're still very supportive.
1: Hmm. That's awesome. That's yeah. really great. What do, what do you think in, cause I feel like in comedy, <clears throat> I've never done it, but you got to be willing to, it's, I think it's a pretty scary thing sometimes getting into it. What do you think makes a great comedian?
0: Yeah. Um, It's interesting, you know, they say public speaking or even being a comedian, one of the top, you know, scariest jobs. And, Mm. you know, once you start doing it—and it's weird. I I never um, had—I never really had stage fright. Mm. You know, later on, you know, when you overthink it and you go, oh, wait a second, I'm going to speak for an hour— Mm-hmm. And these people are going to listen. Not only listen; they're going to process it and make this noise come out of their face called laughter. It's uh, it feels almost like impossible. Like, why is that going to happen? Or you think, oh, what if in the first five minutes they've made a universal decision? We don't like you. We don't find anything you're going to say funny. Tough. And you know, as a comedian, that that's that's happened. You know, every every comedian has bombed. Right. Uh, it's funny. I've had a a, a much better track record. I don't think I've ever bombed at a a corporate show. I might have had a game show that didn't go as well as I wanted, but it was because everyone was going out to get hors d'oeuvres and I couldn't get attention. But for whatever reason, there's a, you know, with a corporate audience, there's a more, uh, you know, uh, a broader common denominator than it was in the comedy clubs. You know, you don't have, oh, I'm now going on at 11 o'clock at night, or they've been drinking all day, or it's Friday night and they've been working. So there's, there's more consistency in it. I, I think what makes a good uh, comedian is, uh, you know, one knowing what you're saying is funny. So it's not like you're putting that out there and going, "Hey, can you tell me if it's funny?" Right. Um, I mean, we all have to we have to rehearse it in front of an audience. But as a corporate uh, entertainer, as a, as an MC, I don't have places. I don't, I don't I don't go to the comedy store to try out my corporate stuff. It's almost like. You get a sense eventually that, oh, th- I, this is funny. It might not be fully baked. Mm-hmm. It'll get funnier over the time. I mean, I've had a lot of bits that started out funny but got funnier. Um and you can't try out a whole ten minute thing without trying it. So you try it in little bits and pieces. So knowing that what you have is funny, and then the biggest thing I tell uh, you know young comedians or even speakers is that you have to really take the attention off yourself and and put it on the on the audience. So if you come from a place of, hey, i'm I'm really giving you this. I'm giving you this experience, and you can it's really tough, takes years and years. but get to the point where you're like, if, uh, if you, if you find this funny and you like it, that's fine, but it's really up to you. So you're mm-hmm. not dependent on them because then you get into that sort of cycle where you can start to spin and get, you're trying to keep out of your head, basically.
1: It's so interesting that as you talk about that, I find a lot of correlations to business and that way too, and, and sales and all of that. I just tell you a bit about our, the business I'm in that we teach our people all the time about, Hey, you know, pr- present it to them, whether it ends up being form or not. I mean, they're gonna have to make that decision. So, so interesting. And I love what you said about knowing what you're saying is funny and you're believing in what you've, your product, you're believing in your service and what you've got to bring to the marketplace.
0: Well, there's definitely a a correlation. I mean, it's interesting that I was, you know, as I said, I come from a a long line of sales people mm-hmm. i think my great great grandfather was in sales that's all we kind of did yeah. and obviously sales helps in selling you know if you're you know an artist or a performer or a speaker you have to sell yourself right. but there i think there's definitely a correlation of you know of of helping others i kind of look at it you know of what i'm doing as you know I think ministry, people might take it the wrong way, but in the term of, you know, being of service and yeah, giving,
2: absolutely. I kind of
0: look at it that way. And that alleviates all the the stress and anxiety. It's really about getting out of your head. That, that's the whole thing about, even in sales too, if, you know, people, I always say that, uh, you know, with comedy, it's all done on almost an unconscious level. Mm. Like you can say something funny, but it's it's them somehow on a very unconscious level, being very sort of connected to you.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so they, um, I always say sometimes there's a joke that might be like a seven, but they're responding at a nine. Mm-hmm. They're sparing at nine because, you know, maybe they they feel comfortable with me. I've built a relationship with them. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, we just like you. We think you're funny, uh, you know, and so they're not even aware. Because when you think about it, when you're laughing, you don't think about how hard you're going to laugh. It's just right. instantaneous. Yeah
1: that's a great great point. So on that note because this applies to a lot of people that are in they may be in speaking or they're 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 running a management team or they're the manager or whatever it might be. What kind of tips would you give people with connecting with audiences and not just necessarily in your world but I mean hey you're running a meeting for your team that's a that's your audience. So <laughs>
0: yeah I mean, I, I do a whole keynote about you know making connect connections and building relationships. And there's a, okay. a lot of things you can do. I mean, for for me, you, what you're ultimately trying to do is have an emotional connection. That's the first and foremost, and how you get there, that depends on what you're doing. with With comedy, it's laughter. There's the emotion right there. Mm-hmm. But it's also you know, making you know making the experience about them, making them feel feel special, you know, making that extra effort for them. So, you know, if I am putting together a, you know, a keynote, I customize a lot of the pieces and what they're really sort of connecting to is, wow, he put a lot of time into learning all our acronyms. He didn't have to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. he seems to really know us. And the more I spend time in learning about them, the more I feel connected to them. Hmm. So sometimes it's, you know, learning their their acronyms, their language, getting an idea of their business. So it doesn't feel like it's, uh, it could be any experience. It's definitely an experience right. with, with these people. So and I I'm sure talk. that applies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah and, and I'm sure that's, you know, the way it is with uh, sales as well is, you know, you have to learn, you know, about them. So it's about tailoring the experience, you know, to them. Um, and these days it's really um It's really about, you know, I mean, it's an overused word, but being, you know, being authentic. Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
0: it's ironic because in my keynote, a part of my comedy is parody. So there's always times I'm talking about things like I'm the world's greatest psychic and I do a lot of intuitive work. Mm -hmm. And they've known at this point because I've also talked about how I speak 18 different languages fluently, which I don't. Mm
2: -hmm. But I
0: I set that up as a premise to say, hey, you have to make an investment in someone and learning their language, you know, whether it's business or foreign language is a great way of showing that. And but the comedy pays off as the joke of I don't really speak the language. So I'm just using either, you know, Gibberish, or some some way to communicate or very simple, yeah. uh, you know, Spanish or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so by, you know, making that, uh, you know, that effort and making it really about them, that really connects them. But I'm being authentic in, uh, I'm making, as I said, I'm making that effort and they see that it is about them, even if, I'm trying to be real, even if the real is being, you know, on a parody level. Like we're in it together. It's not like I'm trying to fool them in, in some way. And people can tell when you're you're fronting or, you know, you're trying to act a certain way just to seem, you know, seem bigger than yourself. I sort of poke fun at myself when I'm trying to say, hey, I know this. When it's clear, we all both
1: know that I don't. Mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's really great. What, what do you find are some of the obstacles in connecting with audiences or groups or what are some of the things that uh, get in the way of that?
0: Um, well, with with groups, you know, everyone's had their own, you know, their own day. You know, we, we don't know what's going on. I mean, I have a keynote that's coming up and I think so. My keynote's all about, you know, is as is, is comedy is getting people laughing. And, you know, the, the, the premise there is also as when people are laughing, they're a little bit more open, they're a little bit more receptive to hear the message. And they're also having an emotional experience. So that's why they're having that experience. But I think I might pre- pre- be presenting after a memoriam. And so that, you know, everyone might be in a certain mood. I'm going to have to shift the, uh, the energy at that, that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it's self-sabotage. You know, um, if once again, if you're getting in your head, start to prejudge, you know, an audience or if something that, you know, as a comedian, something you've said before, they didn't laugh out loud at. You might start going, oh, I'm not doing well. And then you start to spiral. Then it becomes more about you. As much as you can keep it out of your head and out of you and put it on them, the best you're doing. And one of the things I've learned recently is as an audience member, too, and especially with the masks, when we used to wear masks. Yeah. is that we weren't able to, you know, as a speaker, you weren't able to see their faces.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, sometimes you might not be able to hear them because it's muffled. You can hear a loud laughter. Right. But there's sometimes people are having a great time. They're really enjoying you and they're not making the noises that, you know, an audience of a thousand might make if it's a small audience of 150. Right. So you have to sort of trust what you're you're doing without going on autopilot because you have to be able to read the room you have to stay connected mm-hmm. but i've always been a big advocate of not mentioning to the audience making the, the it's the audience problem that they're not laughing uh you know i never uh, degrade the audience or talk you know mention oh that usually gets a bigger laugh or something like that because 90 percent of the time they're having a good time even if you can't hear it
1: hmm. interesting yes yeah, so it sounds like a lot of it is very much uh in your head, a psychological thing of whether, whether you're getting in your own way of kind of sabotaging the, the, the talk or message or performance. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I think that applies for everything. I mean, for you know, sure. not just sales and, and and comedy or speaking, it's about just how much do we get in our head and how much do we get in our head even when, when someone's not there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the time, you know, I was just talking to, you know, we we're talking a little bit about negative self-talk and, right. uh, I was uh, I was talking to a friend who said that there there was a lot of that going on and the interesting thing is stuff that goes on in your head is never happening. That's right. <laughs> it's never happening and we're the ones who are making ourselves feel so bad. I realized I, it might not be for anyone but I think my Achilles heel is is embarrassment. Mm. Is like feeling like I'm going to do something and uh, be humiliated or embarrassment embarrassed and I have to keep that out of my mind, you know, because if I yeah. start thinking about that, then I'm just, you know, trying to do what I need to do to not have that
1: happen right. as opposed right. to
0: thriving in that moment and and being, you know, f- fully present.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting hearing you say that. For me, mine is worry, starting to worry about things that don't exist <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that have not happened, but projecting them into that they have. And it's something I've been working on a bunch is how do I shift that thought process and rather than automatically going into it?
0: Yeah. Well, I will give you some advice. Perfect. I'll give some advice Perfect. right now because I think worry, um, look, I, I went through a, a, a challenging time after the pandemic, a huge anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really tough for me. All my business uh, crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a new medium now that I'm not familiar with. It's the technical thing. And you know the worry really got you know the, the best of me so that's that's something where it's like real high anxiety and almost to uh you know to a point where it's almost debilitating mm-hmm. but more, most of us have our normal anxiety our normal worry about something's gonna go up you know the best thing is to to catch it to be aware of it when it happens mm-hmm. and I might be telling you I know you read a lot of uh, personal growth books so you know a lot of this stuff, but what i've been doing is um you know, we were going to talk a little bit about spiritual stuff, is mm-hmm. is turning a lot of that stuff over. But first, mm-hmm. start to worry. I'm aw- I'm aware that, oh, I'm about to go in that cycle. And mm-hmm. I just cut it off right there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. So mm-hmm. I don't go down that that path. And then um, there's a great prayer that I, I use. It's from The Course of Miracles. Have you had any exposure to that? No. Ah, it's an interesting book. Marianne Williamson, who you may or may not be familiar yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's taught that she's very associated to it, but there's a prayer in it, um, that goes, um, uh, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom?
2: Mm.
0: And me and my friend have, who've been studying the course of miracles for like the last 13 years, we call that W seven because there's a bunch of what, where, and who's and stuff like that. And so it's it's acknowledging and you know some people don't you know acknowledge you know a higher power whatever they want to call it but mm-hmm. it's turning it over to this sort of higher power mm-hmm. and realize that in this other realm in the spiritual realm everything is sort of taken care of and you don't have to sort of figure it out and it it's sort of an assumption that you'll be taken care of that the right person will come in and, and, uh, you'll, you'll say the right thing. It's, it's building up a little bit of trust that, you know, cause it's kind of scary to think I can do it all on my own. So that right. for me helps, but you know, if, if anyone wants to just take anything away, it's, it's to stop it when it's happening. Cause it is an illusion. Nothing is happening
1: right now. That's so well said. So great. talking about that. I think that, you know, what's interesting is as I've grown and developed spiritually in the last few years, four or five years. I was always hesitant in business to to talk about it because I didn't want to offend. I think some people, you know, in my mind, they had this idea of what it was. What I found fascinating, as you said, too, when some people may not want to turn over to a higher power, I find most people do. Most people have some kind of faith, some kind of belief, and it may not be necessarily a religious one. Some it is, some it isn't. But most people have some belief in something greater than themselves, And the more I've been communicating with people about it and talking about it, I've been fascinated to find out that almost everybody I talk to believes in something, Mm -hmm. which is so interesting. So interesting. I
0: mean, it's almost crazy because, you know, there's another term in, in spirituality about surrender. Yeah. And surrender sounds like such a weak position when it's, the total opposite because right. we're basically saying we're taking our hands off the wheel and no one right. wants, you know, I, you know, that's when you're white knuckling it and uh, right. I, I'm going to take this. And, you know, we, we, me and my friend talk about the, the tour guide or we call it the tour God or tour guide. Okay. And it's like, it's the same thing you know, you're in, you're in Rome and there's a tour guide there and he's going to take you to all the places, but, you know, because your ego's in the way and not, you know, a uh, sort of the traditional way of ego, but just between the two sides of ourselves, our ego and our spiritual mm. side, says, uh, well, let me just make sure, you know, make a right here or make a left here. Like, he's, that's what he does. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, it's like the person in the cab, or the Holly Hunter character in broadcast news who's mm. constantly trying to control. It's interesting when we take um, take away control and that we don't have to all, that there are people out there that will help us get to where we, we are. And it's a scary thing to, because we've been all trained that, uh, you know, I have to do this on my own. No one's going to do it for me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know, just like everything in this reality, it's there's a lot of um, parad- uh, paradoxes. You know, it can be this and that. You know, we we think it has to be this or that, but it, sometimes it's being active and passive in the same moment. So it's mm-hmm. allowing something else to come in and help you. You still got to do the work. Can't sit on the couch and right. Act- right. I thought at one point when I was doing abundance affirmations, hey, I'm doing the work, I'm doing the affirmations, I'm going to sit on the couch and big bags of money with big dollar signs is going to drop in my lap. Um, yeah. it, occasionally sometimes that happened, but <laughs> but most of the time you had to go out and do the work. So it's it's a scary thing for a lot of people to to let go and 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 let go of control.
1: Yeah, I've found that's been one of the greatest challenges for myself is uh, having been an achiever for a long time and thinking that, yeah, you know, I was the one that was making all this happen, uh, and then learning that it wasn't me. as just I was probably getting in the way more than I, more than I was not anything else. Greater things were probably in store, and learning to surrender that something greater is 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 in store, and it's 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 a challenge, and it's a discipline, and a, and a, a really a I guess a way of being to mm-hmm. develop. So it's something I'm working on a lot right now is getting better at it. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: you know It's interesting because, you know, I've been reading about it and hearing it more and more. So obviously our consciousness gets to a certain level and the, the right things at that level come in. And that's right. It really is a lot about, you know, we think if we get our hands involved, we're going to make it better. and We actually slow the process. There's something bigger than mm-hmm. us that's going to help us move along. Uh, there are going to be some people hearing that, and you know, going, hey, I just don't buy into that. Well, that mm-hmm. that's fine, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of stuff is going on, and and you know, it's like going down that you know that that river and stuff, and you know, we're gonna bang into a couple things, but it knows where it's going. And a lot of us want to just hold on and not trust. So trust is a big part of it too. You have to believe in, in in this sort of concept and trust that it's going to work. Because without trust, that's when you're like, okay, I'm almost there, but now I have to, you know, jump in and take care of it. It's so much more uh, not only rewarding because you know you have bigger, you know, bigger things can occur than in your little finite mind. But it's also so much more relaxing. You don't have to deal with the worry. You don't have to deal with the anxiety. You don't have to deal mm-hmm. with the anger and the frustration. It's just a, a better lifestyle.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I think that's so great. I love that. Yeah. Really working on it. And Yeah, uh, yeah that's for sure. Um, I want to come back to something in, in terms of uh, leadership and business and really um, working on developing humor as a leader. And so I'm curious, obviously, it's something you're gifted at. You've been practicing for a long time, very skilled at as well what would you say to people that maybe they're in the business world or the corporate world, whatever it might be and how they might be able to start to use some of that to connect more with their, their partners, their staff, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's kind of an interesting concept because um, in some ways you're either funny or you're not. Okay. So I think I would break it up into, into two columns. I think the people who know they're funny is to just you know um lean into it maybe a little bit more you know comedy is subjective so not everyone's going to find what you're funny it's it's right. it, i i would say be more personal first and then if funny you know funny moments will come out one of the things i have noticed though is if i'm emceeing an event and i've already opened it up that hey the audience is laughing hey he looks a little freer on stage it's not like he's you know, even though a lot of the stuff I do is, is set, it looks like I'm just making it up as I go along. But I'm, I'm very clear on what's going on. But there is that room to improvise. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's being open. And I notice all the time that the, 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 the presenters, the executives, when they loosen up, they do become funnier. You know, if you're in sales, at some level, you have a sense of humor, not because you're in that business, but just that seems to gravitate. You know, people are funny, kind of gravitating to that sales thing because you have to have the gift of gab. You're constantly talking with people. So I think it's, you know, being a little bit more, you know, relaxed and letting that, you know, come out, uh, you know, not being afraid to be personal. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that now. In the way that speakers are shifting on stage now, you know, for the last couple of years we've been in people's homes. They're not in their suits. We're seeing their living room. We're seeing the kids come by. So a lot of that, um, a lot of that veneer and that uh, facade is breaking down. Mm-hmm. And the best leaders I've seen, um, there was, uh, I think it's Tim. I can't remember Tim's last name, but the old CEO of Nextel. Nextel was eventually got absorbed by by Sprint. But he was just himself and he Mm. people just loved him and he was funny and he was real. So when you're real, you know, humor is part of who you are. It's not definitely not about telling jokes. It's Mm. just sometimes things can be funny and not really meant to be funny. It's that kind of loose way of being with people and not being so, you know, rigid and you know, things have to be a certain way and so sort of strict. I think that opens up more comedy. But I would say just for you know for people just to you know, uh, be more, be more personal, share, you know, share some of your life, share some of your stories, ask questions. You know, uh, I talk about how when you start to ask questions and show interest in people besides them, love, you know, people love talking to you. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure it's at some level of sales technique. So there's some salespeople uh, who know how to use people's names. Right, Ben? Sure. See, how how good did that feel? Yeah, that's
1: how
2: good
0: right. did that feel, Ben? Well done, I Scott. mean, it, it's, it's hilarious because I, I know it's I, every time someone does because there's some people who are just more used to using people's names right. yeah, and you yeah. get a rush every time.
1: You do. So, yeah.
0: I know. I mean, it's manipulative if it's done in that way. But still, right. uh, you know, ask questions about people and then you find new ways to connect. Oh, hey, I didn't know they were into this you know, I didn't know they were into yoga or, you know, we're talking about Esther Hicks. Oh, I didn't know he knows Esther Hicks. We can talk a little, you know, a little bit about that. So it's about being a little, little more personal, a little more open.
1: I, I was interesting as you said, it's it's not about telling jokes. I think I'm really glad that you shared that, that that doesn't mean you need to master all these jokes to be funny. And as you were talking to as as you said, share some of your life and some of your stories. I think what I've noticed, and I'm, I'm not a master of this by any means, but all of us have things that went wrong, mistakes we've made, all that stuff that are great stories where we're able to share stuff that's happened in our life that hasn't gone well. And it wasn't funny at the time, but it's kind of funny later. Look at that. Would you agree with that? I, I have a great story about that. I, I have something that. that didn't go well. Um,
0: <laughs> I I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's funny in retrospect, but, you know, I'm on stage. Uh, occasionally I get to interview a big Big celebrities. Uh, I've interviewed Andre Agassi, John Travolta. This was with uh, the Woz, Steve Wozniak. Okay. And around 15 minutes into a, I think, 45-minute, maybe an hour interview, um, I have to go to the bathroom. I, uh, My bladder is full. I drank too much water. Uh, but I'm trying to hold in. At 30 minutes, I am in pain. I am not feeling good. Uh, we're like at 35, 40 minutes, and I don't even know how I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm seeing cross-eyed. And, uh, and we start doing Q&A. Yep. And someone's out in the audience. And after the first the, the second question, I'm like, hey, let me go out into the house and see, you know, see see if we have any questions. Oh, you have a question, sir? And I literally give him the mic and I walk out uh, in the back of the ballroom. I walk by my producers and stage manager and they see me leave the room. So they're probably freaking out. For sure. But for I, sure. I, I couldn't I couldn't stay any longer. And I'm just hoping he's answering the question long enough to to let me go. So I go r- running to the restroom. Uh, I'm trying to go. Do I do full tank, half tank, get a little relief? Go, I go, I go. I, I figure half tank. As I come in, the uh, the stage, the producer is like tapping her, her, her wrist, like we're going to have to wrap this up. Yeah, and yeah. as I get to the uh, to the guy who has the microphone, Steve Wozniak says something like, "And that's why we did that way at, at Apple." And I grabbed the mic just in time and said, "Okay, I think we have one more time, oh, one more question." Right. And so I was able to get back in. What I didn't know was. I was in the restroom, and he finished the question. He had no idea I left, by the way. Uh, No one really did. Uh, The audience didn't. And uh, he finished and then just luckily happened to say, uh, yeah, but, you know, another way to approach this and went on. So, you know, no one really noticed. Uh, That was one of the things where I had to have a lot of faith. Um, It's what I had to do. I figured if something happened, they would have covered, but no one knew. Uh, Later, while we were taking pictures with him, I said, hey, did you know – that I left the the room, he said, no, I had no idea. Um, he also has, do you know there's a, a, a disorder where you can't remember faces?
2: Hmm.
0: It's a real complicated word, starts with a piece, I wanna look it up, but you can't remember faces. So even when I met him, he, he has that. He does, he can't recognize you again. Steve Wozniak has that mm. that thing. Great guy. Did a little iPhone video for my son. my son was I think nine at the time. He's a big tech wizard. And he mm-hmm. did a little uh, have that, and he, my my son knows who the you know at nine knew who the co founders of uh, Apple was. But that was a situation where maybe not at the time was uh, was funny, but it was it was hilarious that I was able to make it.
1: No kidding. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to name that story the Wozwiz. Just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, ah, see, now you got the tag. And that's why I call it the Wazwiz. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're not doing comedy for a living, but, you know, no. you're loosening up or having some fun. That's do you? Right. Let me ask you, let me honestly, do you look at yourself? Hey, I'm a funny guy. Um, occasionally I can be funny. It's I'm, I need to be in the right space. No, I'm, I'm a funny guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm a funny guy. That's how I look come at on. myself for sure. Whether I was going to come
0: up with Wazwiz as their first joke. <laughs>
1: So how do you use comedy um, uh, with your people? I, I don't plan it much. I mean, with, for me, it's it. Um, I find that I've got stuff I want to talk about. And then uh, sometimes if I'm at a conference and there's speakers before me, most of the time in these conferences, and there's something that they said and something comes to me in the moment of to bring that back in the talk. And so I find right. that that becomes valuable for me. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, it... Uh, it's a good affirmation, I guess, on the note of self-talk. But I'm—I think I'm a funny guy, and then that's ends good. Up, yeah, it, end, it ends up Own playing it. out. Yeah, and
0: and and I asked you that because you either were going to say yes or or no, you know, yeah. and um and then you know referencing something back, those are the best jokes. It has to do with them. Mm. It says you were listening. Uh, you, it's it's relatable. All those things are important. You talk about something that never, you know, they have no connection to. It's not really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I, you know, that's what I learned with the, the comedy I do. So, you know, my tagline is the power of laughter, the language of business. And all mm-hmm. my comedy is related to business or their business. Mm-hmm. And because you need to kind of hit on all cylinders like 100% of the time, if I had to literally customize every new, you know, hour of comedy for a, an audience, I, you know, the chance of me hitting, you know, for that whole hour is very nil. Uh, So what I've been able to do is create comedy that is like 75% written. I add 25% of their stuff into it. Okay. So like if I'm doing something about their acronyms, I'm, yeah. I learn all their acronyms. I memorize them. It does take some time, but I have a pretty good memory and I've been working on it. Yeah. So now they're impressed. I learned their acronyms. Um, I, it looks like I wrote this specific bit for them, right. but I, I haven't. I've I've done it before. I know it works. I know they're going to laugh. Yeah. I know how to take their acronyms and put it in an order that actually Sounds funny, sounds rhythmic, and so I've learned how to do that. So it's a combination of of customizing that content for them. They feel uh, they feel special. Look at the time he 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 yeah, put into yeah. doing this, and I know because I've done it you know a thousand times. It's funny.
1: And I just had a question that came up about that. So as a creative and a performer, that way, do you find for you is it is it something that you turn on? Okay, I'm going into this meeting. I'm going to be speaking. I'm turning it on or are you, that's just who you are. You're just a funny guy when you're around your everyday friends, family, all that stuff. And that's a, that's an interesting question. I drove
0: in, uh, I did a keynote uh, a couple of weeks ago in Big Sky, Montana. I think we were talking about right. it. Yeah. It a great opportunity. Um, I think I was telling you I had to take a gondola up to a yurt. Mm-hmm. Look it up if you don't know what a yurt it is. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a, TP type structure goes up. I don't, can you say TP? I don't even know what I can say anymore, but, (laughs) uh, and I have a, I have a whole video on that, on what you can say and can't say. I'm not making fun of the woke culture. It was just literally, sometimes you don't know anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if he can say TP, but that's, that's how I I know it. Um, But uh, I was riding in with a couple of people because it takes like 40 minutes to the airport. And because I was not on and I didn't, you know, know these people and, you know, maybe I, maybe I should have been a little more on, but I realized when I left, they're going to, if anyone asked, hey, was the keynote funny? Mm. They would say no,
2: mm.
0: <laughs> no. And mm. then I killed that, you know, that next night yeah. and they even came up to me. People were asking me, hey, is the keynote funny? And they were like, no, he didn't say anything funny on the, you know, do you say anything funny on the ride? Yeah. So it is something you have to turn on. But in that situation, it was a good uh, learning moment for me that hey, if I'm with them, I'm gonna have to make a little effort not to be funny, but to be a little bit more person, you know, a little bit more personal. I, you know, I'm used to being picked up and going on my own, right. and expect to be with a with a couple of people. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, as as a as a comedian, you go through that evolution where you're on all the time to yeah, the point yeah. where you're annoying when you're a kid and with family, yeah. and family's like, can you be serious for a moment? Right, then right. you, you know, then you get to do it on stage. You don't need to do it you know, as much off stage. And it's definitely a decision. You know, I, I have thir- serious thoughts about certain things, yeah. but, uh, it's not, uh, it's not so much saying, Hey, I'm going to be funny. It's deciding, Hey, I'm going to plug into that, that sort of energy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that's funny will come out.
1: I think that's great. I love that. I think it would be interesting in that scenario, that story you just told how they're expecting you, you're the funny guy, and so the ride is supposed to be, they're just, you know, busted and got laughing the whole time.
0: <laughs> and, and that's, that's always been tough. I remember when I was starting yeah. out as a comedian uh, and I was waiting on tables and I told them I was a comedian. I knew because there was the one who was the clown that one of the guys was the clown. You'd yeah. think he'd be, but I was doing, you know, I was doing my waiting room job. I wasn't going to try to be funny with the staff yeah. and I was probably yeah. nervous, you know, just, you know, was waiting for the first time and stuff. So when I had to say, Oh, I'm a comedian, yeah. You know, a lot of people, that's not the first thing they, they think of me because, you know, I could talk about serious subjects and right. you know, I like to talk about intellectual stuff. Uh, but it's, you know, as you get and then you come back the other way where you're sort of you're comfortable with it and you know the right, you know, right circumstances to be funny. You know, there's times mm-hmm. to be funny and times not to be funny. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. Um, it is, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because I, I host a podcast too, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot of serious stuff. But you know, uh, you know, that's going to be my evolution, you know, right, in my right. podcast to be able to, you know, be able to talk about serious stuff and also have that lightness without you know making the thing seem like it's just goofy.
1: For sure, yeah, I think that there. I remember, see, I never read the whole book, but uh, I read part of it, and it stuck with me. And the title of the book was "A Symphony of Ourselves." And the idea was that we have so many different selves that we are at many different times. And so it's kind of tuning into that. So, you know, in your scenario, when you're going on stage, you're into that identity of this is who I am where you're with your son. It might be a very different one. And, and we all do have, I mean, some of the people that I've respected the most and looked up to in business and incredible speakers when I had not met them in person, I thought they were just going to be this real intense, you know, they're great motivational speakers. And, and then they're just, totally different in person and not intense like that whatsoever, but very connecting, very. And I think that is the case. I think that we have different identities in different areas and we're able to turn it on. I'm different with my wife and my kids than I am with my team. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not different at the core values, but different in terms of how I show up.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I used to say sometimes, you know, during the summers, I don't work as much it's summertime. So I go into dad mode. I go into chill guy mode. You know, right. I'm not, uh, not the speaker, and and I remember times where I had to like, okay, I got a shift. I can't b- bring chill dad guy on on stage. He's right cool about everything. He doesn't have to, he's not worried about getting laughs, not worried about what he's going to do. So there's definitely different, you know, different personalities. And, uh, you know, I find also, you know, people, you know, talking about relationships, people you, you, um, you interact with, they bring out certain, you know, parts of your personality. And, you know, hopefully you have a a partner that you spend time with who brings out the best in you. I'm divorced. So my, my ex-wife didn't bring out the best in me. I don't think we brought the best out in, in both of us. It's been a while. Um, But, you know, you want to be with someone who, you know, somehow you just feel good, you yeah. know. And, and you know, to be honest, you know, as a speaker, you want to have that, you know, I kind of look at the relationship between the performer and the audience as kind of a one-on-one relationship. And, you, you know, you do feel good when they laugh. You want to have, you want to feel good with them. Hey, they're having a good time. They like what you have to say. Hey, you like sharing this. And so... know, there's a lot of positivity, you know, a lot of uh, good feelings, a lot of love, you know, you want to, you want to be in that space Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to prove yourself or uh, getting angry. They didn't get that joke. So it's, it's that kind of, uh, you know, you have to be plugged in and yes, attuned to that kind of energy. Hey, I'm a speaker. I'm supposed to be funny. But uh, I I thought what was I thinking the other day? Something about um, just, you know, not just knowing, but you know, kind of, you know, kind of being proud of what you've been able to create and that you have this opportunity to to share it with people and not just take it for granted. And I think, you know, as as I said, uh, when I came out of the pandemic and I did my first couple of shows, I was like, do I really like doing this? I, you know, I, I had that kind of feeling. And now I have this new resurgence of, of energy and creativity, and I want to do more and try new things and, mm. you know, really, uh, really lean into these, uh, these experiences, these opportunities I get.
1: Mm. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Scott, where can people connect with you? Uh, I know your website, Scott Bloom Connects, right? That's your website. ScottBloomConnects.com. Yeah, they can connect there.
0: Uh, You know, if they want to watch videos, they can go on YouTube and just plug in Scott Bloom. I'll pop up all the time. There is another Scott Bloom. I was not on Who's the Boss? I don't know if you got that show up in Canada. Tony Danza. Yeah, Alyssa Milano had a boyfriend for a while who was Scott Bloom. So when I was younger, he was like a teen idol. So Scott Bloom was on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine, all those kid magazines. Okay. But uh, I, I think I come up on videos a little bit more. But I think he has a couple of my my credits on his IMDb. So but that that doesn't matter. <laughs> but you'll you'll see me, uh, you know, if you were watching this. Uh, so that's a good place. And then you know on social media, it's always at at Scott Bloom connects. At you Scott can uh, see stuff I post all the time and, and LinkedIn too
1: okay awesome that's great i love it i love it so you've had to make a shift this last as a lot of people have this last couple years in the pandemic and really as you mentioned kind of recreating i guess in a way of how you do business per se or starting to shift that so as we're starting to come out of this i mean depends where where people are but even where i am in canada we had a lot of restrictions for a long time and a lot of the country's starting to open up again people are getting back to life as normal anyways or how it was perhaps what, what advice would you give and maybe recreating a new self or starting to look at the future? I think a lot of people were very reflective this last couple of years, at least a lot of people I've talked to and what really matters and what I really want with my life. So yeah, What in closing, what would be your closing comments for moving forward here and creating the success we want?
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, everyone has re-looked at what it is they do and what they want to do. Um, I think this is the time where everyone should just, I mean, you know, that's part of the great resignation that's happening. People are like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, that's created its own problems. But, you know, to really, you know, really find what it is that you really enjoy doing. I mean, I've been very fortunate. I mean, comedy has been part of my life, my entire life, the fact that I get to do that and I don't take it for granted anymore. Cause it was taken away at one point. Um, yeah. I, you know, I found other ways, other expressions to, to do comedy. Um, because of the pandemic, I, I'm in a fully, a, a full broadcast studio right now. Um, I got multiple cameras. I got prompters, lights, uh, got a bookshelf.
1: Yeah. Love it.
0: <laughs> um, maybe, Yeah. um, but uh, so I found joy in creating videos and doing um, virtual and digital events. I'm, you know, I'm traveling to Atlanta this week to shoot a, uh, a tour of a broadcast studio because even though virtual and digital uh, will be around now, there's a new way of doing it now. You know, we... We've evolved to the point where we don't do the clum, just a clumsy zoom and anything can go wrong. There's a lot of pre-records people realizing, Hey, if we're going to have people's attention for two hours, even three, we got to produce a TV show right. There's way too much good stuff. Content even on Instagram yeah. in, for 15 seconds is better than three hours of people, you know, yeah. so you need to make it look a little more professional. So I'm finding new joys in, you know, in, in doing stuff on video, creating funny videos, creating, uh, you know, digital content, uh, Hosting virtual events, so I would say find out what it is. This is the time. Do what you do, what you love. Find a way to do that, and find a way to make money at it. And and trust, you know that uh, get out of your head and stop, you know, negative talking. Hey, I can never do that. You'll never know yeah. until you you know, actually make an effort and try.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Surrender into it. Yeah. Surrender into it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I love that advice so much. It's been something that's been on my mind a lot recently. And just that, uh, there's, a, there's a dream in your heart. There's something that's calling you for a reason. It's not by accident. And the more we can step into that, that's, that was how this whole podcast started actually. But uh, the more we can stop. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm excited to see your evolution, Ben, because I can feel. I have, you know, i you know, I joke about being psychic intuitive, but I do feel uh, things from from people. And you've been ultra. Successful up until now, and uh, not that it'll stop, but there's this new way of doing business for you. That's the transition you're going into, where it is a lot more of this trust and surrender, and being able to have a good time. I'm sure you're one of those 80 hour a week guys, and really grinding, and and maybe that maybe that's not true, but uh, I see someone who's who's very very successful, and also now wants to be able to enjoy that success and yeah. maybe loosen up a little bit.
1: Yeah, your, your intuition's strong. I was that way for a long time. I'm not that way anymore, I find.
0: Well, I get to see the good part of you now because you yeah, got yeah. the podcast, you're reading yeah, the yeah. books. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I see that and it's just embracing it. I mean, you're there. I mean,
1: I, I can definitely feel it. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. It's yeah. awesome. I've had a lot of fun today, Scott. Thank you so much. It's been great. I love, uh, love connecting with you and looking forward to doing more of it. Everybody do us a favor. As always, share the episode, get it out there. Tag Scott, tag myself. If you're new to the show, subscribe, you leave us a quick review. It'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in. And again, Scott, thanks so much for your time today.
0: Ah, Thank you. My pleasure. Bye, everybody.